This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Black and Blue Report. I know you're used to hearing Caroline and Cindy, myself, on Wednesdays, but I mean on Fridays, but we are here today on Wednesday. Woman Crush Wednesday. Yep, you know it. <laughs> um, but Caroline, for the very first time in franchise history, the Pelicans have won back-to-back playoff games. I don't know about everyone else in New Orleans and around the world, honestly, but I'm hyped. Like, I am so excited for the Pelicans. So hyped. And this was all on the road. What? Yep. We're coming home 2-0? Mm-hmm. I'm I don't you guys, I'm you guys don't understand. Last night, Caroline and I both had to work the game from remotely from New Orleans. But we were like texting, we're ready to do this podcast now. We were so hyped after that game. It was exciting, intense, so many things to describe it. It was it was cool because even A D said, you know, like everyone else can continue to sleep on us, you know, like everyone's been sleep on us this whole year even on ESPN it was funny because on ESPN last night they had the Pelicans um going 0-1 after this game but it like we were 1-0 after we were 1-0 oh, yesterday, yesterday so yeah. it was like that doesn't, doesn't even make, make any sense. sense yeah either way I'm gonna say in the words of Charles Barkley and I know that's rare because we don't really like to quote him <laughs> but that was an old-fashioned butt kicking like yep. period I probably said a little more proper than he would, you know. Got to got to be a little better than him. You know? But um you guys, I'm I'm excited for Thursday's game. That's tomorrow. It's really back to back. Thank you though because it felt like yesterday's game took forever to come. Mm-hmm. They played on Saturday and then had Sunday and Monday off and I'm sitting here like I'm ready for game 2. Come on, come yep. on. But um, we did have that extra day of rest, so that was good for that us. Was, that was. So now we're going to hope that they're getting their rest on that flight back because it's going to be a quick turnaround for sure. But the exciting part is they're home. They get to come home leading this playoffs to hopefully a crowd full of people excited to see them. Yep. Yeah, Cindy. Um, We were – I mean, I'm the whole city of New Orleans should just be excited. Everyone should be trying to get their tickets to the SKC, to the Smoothie King Center because, like, the Pelicans are 2-0 and in playoffs. Like, they were voted to go – Oh and four in this in this in the series. Like I'm just I'm shocked that one that people slept on us so much and I'm not shocked about that because that, we've been like we've been but we have an all star like yeah, we started it the, the moment Boogie went down it was like the Pelicans are down they're not going nowhere da, 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 da. and I mean we didn't help our cause by losing those games now when we started going on that ten game win streak that's when everybody started to be like, oh, wait a minute, hold on, what's going on here? They may actually have something. And then we had a little fall again, you know, right before the end of the season. But I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked at all. Everyone thought that we were just going to – I mean, here's my thing. What most people don't realize is that we weren't even that far off from the Blazers. We could have had the fifth seed – or the, what is it, the fourth seed. What is it? We had sixth seed. We could have had the fifth seed – had it not been for them winning one game over us. Mm-hmm. So, like, All right. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. If you did not tune into the game last night, the Pelicans won 111-102 to 102 over the Portland Trail Blazers. So they took the series um, 2-0, and or they lead the series 2-0. and They won both of their games in Portland. We have an exciting show for you guys today. Obviously, Cindy and I are hype because we just got what we had our plan of what to say at the beginning of the show. And, and we, we just went got totally left. We got totally out uh, away from ourselves here. So we have a fun recap show for y'all today we're going to talk about the game last night more than we already have we're going to give you a little stat for stat how the pelicans have matched up so far against the trailblazers and we're going to tell you something good going into game three there's a lot of good things to talk about so we're excited for it and we're happy you're here yeah 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 okay so i know we said we're gonna get into um stat for stat but before we do that i kind of have to mention uh vince staples tweet Mm -hmm. last night it was hilarious okay so if most some of you guys some of you guys might be aware that like people like to say when artists like musical artists rap artists whatever 
they're they come out looking grimy like after you haven't seen them out in a while that means they're about to drop some fire like you know some good music jay cole is known to come out looking totally like facial hair never hasn't been cut you know mm-hmm. ungroomed all of that and they you know drops a fire album so last night vince staples was tweeting and he was saying how you knew that um and it was a joke for sure but i mean it was kind of funny and maybe a little true mm-hmm. he's like you can tell anthony davis is here to win championships because he doesn't have a taper in the back and you <laughs> know ad always has a fresh cut <laughs> so like that's funny because he is always you know he's always clean cut or whatever but there's a little griminess to him and then he goes if you take a close look at the pelicans you will see their most productive players bench included are missing the back taper or fade <laughs> yikes that's funny. And then he goes, too many tapers on Portland. They aren't hungry enough. <laughs> and then he finished it with the Pelicans' whole roster look like extras in City of God. They traded in the barber tra- chair for the film room, and you can really tell the difference on the court. Yikes. Portland, on the other hand, have two fresh cuts in each rotation. It's the little thing. <laughs> Yikes. It what? was it was funny because you saw Nikola Miritich in shoot-around, and he had full scruff. He uh-huh. had, like, at least half an inch of hair that had grown back, and he said that, uh ad and rondo sent charles cook the rookie to go to target to, to get, get him he called it a machine he was like to get the machine to get the needs, machine because he, he needed an electric, electric razor, razor. he yeah. doesn't like the regular ones but it was that's so funny. funny yeah that's why i thought that tweet was funny because i'm like all of the all of the team included except for nikola nikola mm-hmm. has to stay clean exactly, shaven. Yeah. there's no other option yeah but let's get into the stat for stat because last night's game i don't know about you but my like happiest moment was seeing Drew Holiday just go off last night. Mm-hmm. I mean, a totally different Drew than what we're used to seeing. Like, so much more aggressive. I, I said he was in rare form last night. And then AD, in his interview with Jen Hale after um, the game, said, playoff Drew. Yep. And it's true. Like, I saw that his brother um, hashtag playoff holla. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because – we're not only seeing the aggressiveness from Drew on the offensive end, but we're definitely seeing it on the defensive end. Yes. Damian Lillard is 0 for 8 from the 3 when Drew is guarding him. 0 Huge. for 8. Huge. Like that, if that doesn't scream first team all defense, I don't know what does. If you're shutting down Damian Lillard from outside the three-point line, like that's that's insane. You're obviously affecting his game. And Damian Lillard said it last night yeah, in his post-game interview. He said, say. you know, obviously Drew is a good player. We've known that all year. But he gets overshadowed by AD because he's an all-star. But Drew has been this player all mm-hmm. year, but he's just elevated it now that the playoffs have come. I mean, Dame only had 17 points last night, and only two of those were scored while Drew was guarding him. So that alone is telling you what he's bringing to this defense. Let's get on this offense, though. Mm -hmm. 33 points, that's a career high for him in playoffs. Nine assists. Drew and AD were having their moments together. Yep. Those alley-oops, you know I love it. But hold on, Drew was on the other end of one. Just, I mean, it wasn't alley oop, but you know <laughs> that dunk was ridiculous. Yeah, I was, I was shocked that 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 the the dad could get up. I was like, oh, Drew, you're a dad. How did you, no. how did you get up like that? Drew was channeling Michael Jordan, that Air Jordan Space Jam in that moment, and yep. no one saw it coming because he, like he was just coming up for the yep. you know quick layup, finger yep. roll, whatever. No, he slammed that down and was like, what? Yep. And I mean, the bitch, the Effortless. bitch was the best part. They I know. went crazy. If you don't cheer for me like Chuck Diallo, I don't want you as my friend. <laughs> At all. Get you someone that cheers for you like uh, Chuck does. Um, it was interesting, too. The Trailblazers shot 45% from the field and 38% from the three which is not terrible at all. Right. If you look at any other team and you look at those numbers, right. they're, you're like, okay, they had a pretty good shooting game. But the Pelicans were 51% from the field and 50% from the three. That is exceptional. So you're telling me that every other shot that they put up, it's probably going to go in. And, I mean, shout out to Rondo, Nikola, um, Etwan, Darius, and even Ian with some clutch threes in like the exact moments they were needed to shift the game. Mm-hmm. There was there are points where we were times we were down in the game and those threes, you know, set a bar for okay, here we go. We're back on track. We're yep. getting back in the game. And I don't think at any point they were ever really out of it. You know, even Not when they were all. going like Portland was trying to come up and you know, they were going on a little run and it just took a minute, get your refocus, regroup and get back together. I'm 
I'm saying, look, it was a good game. Yep. Good we, shooting for us, for sure. We've seen um, both ends of the – both sides of the ball. The Pelicans have played so well. In fact, mm-hmm. Pelicans are number three in the NBA in defensive rating, where the Trailblazers are number seven. Mm-hmm. On offense, the Pelicans are number 10, and the Trailblazers are number 14. So they're getting it done on both ends of the ball. Right. And they're just – they're playing their best basketball and they've taken that um that five game game win streak to end the regular season and just elevated their play that much more. Right. Now rebounding in the two games that they've played, their average Pelicans are averaging thirty about thirty eight defensive rebounds, where the Blazers are about thirty five defensive rebounds. Now you're seeing that in that last few minutes where they were um, you know, finally getting the offensive rebound because mm-hmm. that's something I feel like we struggle with. I'm not going to even, like, sugarcoat it. They do struggle with offensive rebounds. I feel like we struggle with – sorry, not to interrupt, but I feel like we don't so much struggle at with offensive rebounds. I feel like the Portland Trailblazers are just that, that, that much more aggressive on the offensive boards. You have Nurkic going in and crashing the boards every single time, you I know. Did. And so the Pelicans haven't been, um, you know – not go- crashing to the boards, but I feel like the Trailblazers make it that much more important to crash. Yeah, for sure. But either way, last night we saw the importance of rebounding because that was what helped them win the game at the end of the like those those last what two minutes. Mm-hmm. In that they those offensive rebounds set the tone for finishing that game and actually forced the Trailblazers obviously to foul. Right. You know, and because there's no other option, like. That's what it was. Yeah. Yusuf Nurkic had um, 13 offensive rebounds himself in the first game. And then in the second game, he was held to three. Now, so, so that you're, says a lot. But yeah. in that same token, I just I was just telling you about it before we started, Aminu. Yep. 15 rebounds. Yep. He had the most in the, uh, in the whole game out of everybody because mm-hmm. AD only had 13 rebounds. And 10 of those defensive, five of those offensive that ended up being putbacks too. Right. That type of stuff kills us because – Luckily, you know, we were able to pull it off. Like I said, we're we're doing good with, um, I would say, like, persistence and, you know, keep in resiliency, if anything, because we don't let getting down for the moment affect the whole game. Mm-hmm. But in that same token, those offensive rebounds make a difference. It'll be interesting to see if they, they change anything up, whether they send guards in for the rebound, because one of the things that makes the Pelicans so good is their pace. Mm-hmm. And so do you risk sending guards in for those offensive rebounds now, or do you continue to try to battle and you know put a body on someone and still send two, three guards back? I think if you have your two bigs fighting for the rebounds, you won't have as much of an issue. But mm-hmm. like a lot of times, when it's one and then three of the other team are collapsing on them, it's not gonna you know you're not gonna it, you're outnumbered. It's not gonna work. Now two of those might in there you know crashing the boards. It's a difference. Cindy, sure. can we talk about Rajon Rondo? We might as well just go on and tell me something good because, like, that's under my tell me something good. He's one of those tell me something good that I like. I really want to talk about because, in all honesty, the best part about this series to me is that AD is not the only name being talked about Mm-mm. for once. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, granted, when Boogie was here, it was Boogie and, and AD. But when Boogie went out, it was AD. And, like, you would hear chatter about our other players. But, like, really, we're really hearing more and more playoff Rondo. Drew Holiday aggressiveness. Like, it's so – I'm loving that there's more of our players to highlight. Yeah. Rondo was um, one assist away from a triple-double last night. He had 16 points, nine assists, and 10 rebounds. He was huge on the um, offensive boards. I think he had one at the end of the game, which kind of sealed the deal Mm -hmm. for for the Pelicans. And he's getting it done on the defensive end. You heard after the first game, AD and everyone was talking about how Rajon Rondo was echoing the calls, which is huge for a point guard to do. if So if you hear Dame calling out the play, right, and you're echoing the call to yeah. the rest of the team so they know what's no, about exactly to happen, exactly. like, okay, they're running, you know, motion. You're going to get a screen from the top of the key. You're so you're, you're, on, you're all on the same page, and Rondo is so good. How many times on the TV have you heard his voice, and you're just like, okay, he's communicating, he's getting the team together, things like that. So that's huge on the defensive end for Rondo to be, to be leading the team like that. No, definitely. I, you know, already told you I was going to talk about Drew all, all um, show because he obviously <laughs> stole the show last night. But can we talk about his aggressiveness? I mean, not even only on the court, but off the court as well. I mean, like, 
you know, off the court. <laughs> I have air quotes here because he was on court, but he was like getting a little heated with, with someone, one of the fans. fans. I'm not even mad about it. I wonder what they said. No, but like real, I was trying to relive so bad. <laughs> I was trying so bad. But real, like real talk, that is some other type of passion. You didn't see how that just fueled him. Mm-hmm. He couldn't wait to go back and score and be like, what? Right. What now? Like that competitiveness. And I mean, he like you said, it's all in fun and games. Mm-hmm. It's like that's what they pay for, to sit on the court, to talk crap, to, you know what I mean, be able to have that opportunity. I was in shock, though, because, you know, the Drew everyone knows around his, like, all cool and quiet and, like, you know, like, just chill. He's a, like, even AD said he's never really seen him jaw it like that. But if that's going to up your play, you know, and just make you more, like, have fun and more in tune into the game, why not? I love the passion. Yeah, he turned it on last night. He was just, he was attacking the basket, but he was attacking... Um, and creating space for himself. He was able to create space for himself on the dribble, and he was able to adjust mid-air. So how many times did we see him go up and then, you know, reverse under under the basket? He was playing his best basketball. I was talking to someone last week, and I said, if Drew decides that he wants to go to the basket – Nobody can stop him. Nobody can stop him. He's that good. He just has to have that mentality. Okay, I'm getting to the bucket, and he's going to go. And the funny thing is he and Rondo have that because they both have this speed that, like, it's almost hidden, but, like, you know it's there Mm because, you know, they're point guards, they're guards, whatever, but they sneak up in there quicker than you're you're even ready. And, I mean, speaking with Rondo, you talked about his, you know, leadership, basically. I was listening to – TNT after their their after show and Kenny Smith mentioned how something that Rondo does is the he has the ability to control the pace of the game and that's kind of rare you don't see that you know but a point guard who can do that has a special ability because he creates the pace that everyone is comfortable with and providing like you know opportunities more and more for the his um, teammates Mm -hmm. and that has been something that I think has put them over the top in this playoff series. I mean, even all season, but, like, this playoff series for sure. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just happy we got the game two and we got two games on the road. Now we'll come back home and we'll see what the, what else the Pelicans have in store for us. Hopefully we can sweep the steer- series. I'm uh, going to speak that into existence. Can we just talk about that for real quickly? Like, how crazy that – I mean, like, how crazy that – honestly, I don't think it's crazy because I've been saying, like – you know, Pelican. I said Pelican. We said Pelicans in six. But mm-hmm. So now can we change it to a sweep? Like, <laughs> would we be flip-flopping if we did that? I mean, I just don't even see how they could lose at home. You went in the Moda Center, somewhere they say is the hardest place mm-hmm. to play. And, I mean, you heard the crowd noise from the TV. We've seen it in the pregame. Like, when they're warming up and when they're doing the national anthem and, you know, the starters announcements, you see how packed it is in there. And for them to go into that, and I doubt they even had a minuscule little section of Pelicans fans, actually. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It looked like it was all red mm-hmm. for Portland, not us. Right. And you went into enemy, enemy territory and came out on top. There's no way you can come home to love mm-hmm. and not do that. But granted, we know we've had tougher times at home, but this is just a different atmosphere, a different situation. We said from the get-go that the Pelicans would need to do three things to win the games and to win this series we said they were going to need to control the board boards which they've you're not going to stop the trailblazers from not rebounding so they've done a pretty good job containing them on the boards they've had to contain their guards which they've They've definitely done like i said oh for eight for dame when drew was guarding him um and then third thing the pelicans need to do their job by limiting turnovers they've had 14 in both games um a lot of those came early in the game yesterday Mm -hmm. so if they if the pelicans can carry those three things into these next two games hopefully then we'll be fine and I mean it's been very careless turnovers mm-hmm. too, that they can we've obviously seen them you know prevent in past games so I am so excited for them to play tomorrow me um, too I'm excited that it's already tomorrow I I'm not gonna say I'm even nervous about them traveling today because Portland has to do the same and yeah if that means one less day of practice they don't really need it at this point they need rest so Speaking of travel, Sean Kelly and David Wesley were in the Moda Center last night with the Pelicans, and they will travel back this morning to New Orleans. But before that, they gave us a quick analysis of the game last night. And good morning from Portland, Oregon, where the Pelicans will leave today and head back to New Orleans uh, up 2-0. 
Wow, unbelievable. Well, David and I have hot beverage in hand. We're actually sitting next to the fireplace because it's been about 49, 50 degrees all throughout our state. But, David, when we look back at the state, we'll remember two big things, <laughs> a win on Saturday and a win on Tuesday night. Yeah, it's it's been a, a team that you can see the focus, and they've come here and take care of business like like no one probably expected. Um, I'm sure they did. I'm sure they felt like they could, but um, – you know, to come in here and, and play this well, uh, it's awesome to see. I'm, I'm happy for these guys, and they've done just about everything right. They carried the momentum from the regular season over to the playoffs. I wasn't sure they'd be able to do that. Yeah, you know, a team playing well, I mean, you, you hear about it all the time. You want to be playing your best basketball or football going into the playoffs, and they did that. But, it, and again, it's about not being happy with that and coming in and continuing that. They've done that, whereas Portland – came in not playing their best basketball losing four of their last five and um that's had some carryover so um you know the pelicans have have taken advantage of a a great situation uh, a team that they match up well with but you know to think they were going to come in here and win two after losing seven of their last nine here in portland is just you're not thinking that and now it's been three in a row yeah no doubt Um, before we get kind of into individual performances with regard to how the overall team played, what has stuck out most to you in getting themselves to two wins? Defense. I, I think their defense, their scheme, and of course you can put a scheme in, but it, then it takes execution. They've seemed to be locked in, especially in game one. From starting tip, they were locked in. Pick and rolls, bigs were up. They were trap, soft trapping. Uh, deflections, everything was going right, which allowed them to get out. Uh, and as long as their defense was set, they got that done. They had some turnovers that, that cost them some buckets on the other end um, and some open looks for CJ and, and Damian. Um, and offensive rebounds killed them. But other than that, it's it's been great. And then in game two, it wasn't as consistent for the whole game, but it was still good enough. They play, they've played from – Ahead, and they've played from behind in this series, which I wanted to, I wanted answers to those questions too. Well, it, you know, and, and they play from behind. They have the second most wins, being down ten, uh, being down ten. So uh, it's they've been there before. They've been in close games. They've won um, what, seven of ten overtime games, something like that. So uh, the the. The things that have gone on in the regular season has prepared them for situations like this that when it gets like that, I've found myself not being as as nervous, like they're going to fail. I feel like, okay, they've been here before. They're, they're ready for this, for this challenge. And, um, you know, all the bad losses and all those things now have prepared them for how to play. And I know playoff basketball is different, but it's carried over into the playoffs. David Wesley here with us on a Wesley Wednesday uh, from Portland. By the time maybe you hear this, we could be back in New Orleans. Uh, it'd be a long day of travel, that's for sure. Let's play um, word association, or in this case, I guess, name association. I'll give you a name. You give me the first thoughts that come to your head. Anthony Davis. Amazing. Uh, franchise. Uh, I, I could give you a bunch of them because he has done it all. Uh, you go down the stat sheet and it's usually got a number in it and it's probably, you know, a big one, not just one. It's two, three, four, uh, all the way up to double figure. So um, he scored the ball. He's played big. Um, he's been that way all season. Drew Holiday. Taken over. Uh, I mean, there's been stretches of the game where he simply just – takes over and last night especially early he was dominant and then again he picked it up again later in the game where they don't have an answer for him he's bigger than their guards he's stronger than their guards and and it's been phenomenal Rajon Rondo leader uh assist king almost had a triple double um playoff tested and championship guy so uh and he's playing like that what about Nico Miritich the x-factor um when he plays 
well, this team is going to play well. When he's able to knock down shots, this team is going to play well. Uh, and in, in addition to that, his defense in the pick and roll has been good. Um, and he's been rebounding the basketball. Last one, each one more. Solid. Um, he, he's been solid all year. And I say this about every guy like each one more. He's not the first, second, third, fourth option. He's not going to get but two, three plays called for him a game. Um, so then everything else is kind of timely baskets. And uh, some nights he's going to have eight, nine shots. Some nights he's going to have four. And you do with those what you can. And he usually just status quo, solid. Okay. Uh, if we were doing a video here, I'd pull out a telestrator and make you show me this, you know, that way. But so I'll really put your skills to the test and have you do this audio only. When, when we look at what the Pelicans have done against Lillard and McCollum, what's the secret here? How are they holding those two guys way below their normal point-per-game averages? Well, one is, is commitment to the defensive side. And when this team is last in assists, so you know you have to guard the ball. You know how you have to guard one-on-one. Uh, guys are in stances, and when they're coming off in those pick-and-rolls, it's up to the bigs to be up on the pick and roll, which means they can't come off and see daylight. And so far, when those guys come off on those pick and rolls, the guys, the bigs, have been in a stance, which means they're down in a stance, ready to guard the ball. If it's for one count, two counts, three counts, they're there, and they're big. So getting their hands up, getting deflections, and just making it difficult. Well, also, the guard has to keep coming. You find a lot of guards in this league that lay on screens. These guards have not laid on screens in this series so far. They've got over. They've got back in front of the ball handler and then guarded. Uh, the energy and effort on defense has made all the difference in the world. And then just contest. Great players are going to make great shots, and they've made some pretty good ones. Yeah. But if that's what they have to count on for a seven-game series or a four-game series, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Fair enough. Off we go home. First of all, thank goodness, right? <laughs> uh, number two, game game three uh, tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. Um, what do you expect? What are you wanting to see? What are you worried about? Give me your thoughts on, on what the next phase of this series looks like. Well, I think, first of all, I, you know, the confidence in this team coming out and playing on the road, one, would have been great. Uh, two, is out of this world. Um, and you worry about a little bit of a letdown. You worry about the way they played at home. Um and you worry that are they greedy or satisfied? From everything I've seen, everything I've heard, they're greedy now. They want to go in and finish this up. They don't want to have to fly back out here. So um, I expect a good performance. And I say coming out in game two that they needed to to match their fast start. Well, actually, the Pelicans got off to the fast start. It was 9-2 to two Pelicans. So, um, again, that's what they have to be worried about is – you know, these guys coming out trying to, to, to get out fast, and you got to be right there. So if it's, you know, if they're out 10-0, you need to match that up real quick. Um, and those are some of my concerns, but I don't think, in my opinion, that Portland has enough. Uh, they don't have an answer for Anthony Davis. They don't have an answer for Drew Holiday. They don't have an answer for Rondo, Miritich. I mean, it, it, the list goes on and on, and they just don't have enough. And, and the Pelicans have kind of showed that in the fir- in the first two games. Good stuff. We've never had a Wesley Wednesday like this before, have we? No, all smiles and good. It was, you know, a six, seven game win streak and and two playoff wins. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> Unbelievable. First time in franchise history, the Pelicans have won back-to-back road playoff games. Uh, We can go on and on about the accomplishments here over the last six days in uh, Portland, Oregon. Can't wait to see everybody tomorrow night at the Smoothie King Center. David, thank you. Um, Have yourself a good nap on the plane today. Yeah, you know, I hope I can get some sleep, but probably won't. I'll be be up watching movies, playing games, doing something, but uh, it'd be good to get get home. Sometimes I wonder what our problem is. You and I never seem to fall asleep, and I look around, and they're just sawing logs everywhere uh, but loose. Yeah, I mean, it, some people can sleep on a plane, and I used to be like that. I used to, before the wheels are up, I would be knocked out, and now I can't sleep on a plane. I don't know what it is. 
Very good. David, of course, back on the air tomorrow night uh, with Jen Hale and Joel Myers on Fox Sports New Orleans. And uh, we'll, of course, be on the radio uh, for Game 3 of the series between the Blazers and the Pelicans now leading 2 nothing. Back to you in Studio B. Thanks, Sean and David. When we return, we'll be talking football and continuing our draft preview with the number eight and ninth pick in the draft. Boom! Now Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top-quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Today we're joined by ChicagoBears.com senior writer Larry Mayer to talk about the Chicago Bears' eighth pick. Larry, thank you for joining us. Sure, no problem. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Okay, so Larry, going into you know this draft coming up, there's obviously been some moves that the Bears have made. What do you think has been the best move made in this free agency for the Bears? Well, I don't know if I'd say the best move, but I think if you look at it in general, what they've done is they've surrounded Mitchell Trubisky, the young quarterback, with a lot of different weapons. So they really upgraded their offense. Um, I think you probably could say that Allen Robinson, if you're going to pick one, was the best best move. He's a wide receiver that came from Jacksonville and has a number one receiver capabilities. And they also signed Taylor Gabriel, a wide receiver, and they also signed a tight end in Trey Burton. So I think what they really did was, like I said, upgraded the offense, they have, uh, the Bears, as you know, have a new coach, head coach, Matt Nagy, and they also have a new offensive coordinator in Mark Helfrich. But the defense is generally going to be the same because they brought back the same coordinator. So um, upgrading the offense is definitely the biggest thing they did in free agency. Okay, and so you talked about the defense a little there and, you know, going off of reports and stuff, one of their, your major needs is inside linebacker. Is that something you could see them addressing before the draft, or is it going to be like, something con- uh, main concern as in round one? Well, you know what? I don't know that that's really a huge need. Um, I'm sure that they'd love to have depth there, but if you look at it, they have a young player named Nick Witkowski coming back who's uh, a 2016 draft pick that's shown a lot of promise, and also Danny Trevathan, who's one of their top free agent additions as their two starting inside linebackers. So I'm sure they'd like to add depth there. And I think what what also happened by addressing the offense so much in free agency is now the Bears aren't really pinned to really addressing any one position in the first round of the draft. They have they can honestly go for the best available athlete at that position. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because uh, I have a feeling it might be somewhat of a surprise. No one seems to really know. In fact, I just did a kind of like a compilation of mock drafts, and there wasn't really a consensus among the uh, analysts in terms of who the Bears are going to take at number eight. Yeah, we saw um, Quentin Nelson, and we also saw uh, Roquan Smith from those analysts. What are some of the things that Ryan Pace has said that they need to address? Obviously, we know the Saints have their must positions, but what are some of the things for the Bears that you would qualify as must positions? Well, I mean, going into the in, going into free agency, into the offseason, wide receiver was at the top of the list. Um, the Bears were pretty weak there last year. They had a lot of injuries. Um, their two projected starters got hurt. So Ryan uh, Pace made no secret of the fact that he was going to upgrade the wide receiver position in the um, offseason, and he's done just that. In fact, he signed another player today at that position. Um, so the Bears have signed three wide receivers, and uh, you know I'm sure they'll add one in the draft at some point, but uh, that was probably the number one offseason need. Well, we, we know that 
this draft is very quarterback heavy and you guys aren't too worried about picking up quarterback seeing as you've acquired Chase Daniel and obviously you have Mitchell Trubisky from last year. So right. is there maybe a little inkling of an idea of which you think they might need? Because I know you're saying right now they're going they're going to probably go best available. Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure about that, but the th- the interesting thing is, and even to hear you say the Bears don't need a quarterback is funny to me because it's been about, you know, since World War II, since the Bears really were uh, okay <laughs> at that position. But you're right. I mean, they took the Mitchell Trubisky with the second pick last year, so they're obviously not looking for a quarterback in the draft. But it's going to be really interesting to watch because a lot of these mock drafts say that there's going to be four quarterbacks taken in the first, like, eight or eight or nine picks. And if that's the case, it's going to push down a lot of really good players to the Bears. And if one of those four quarterbacks is still on the board at number eight, I don't know why the Bears wouldn't consider trading down and pretty much selling that pick to the uh, to a team that needs a quarterback. So it's going to be real interesting to watch what happens, especially with the quarterbacks, because you know how everyone overvalues quarterbacks, and there could be a run on them early. I actually like that you mentioned last year's draft because Chicago shocked everyone with trading up for that second pick and then choosing Mitchell Trubisky that threw off kind of the the flow of the draft I'm I in my opinion because everyone seemed pretty shocked do you see something like that happening at all maybe trading up or I know you said something about trading down but like is that a possibility to trade up for someone well I'm sure it is a possibility um I would have told you the same thing last year that I doubted <laughs> that they trade up and they did so you know what do I know I, breaking news is that they don't tell me what's going to happen so <laughs> I don't really know but I think like you said everybody was surprised that they traded up but they identified Mitch Trubisky as the guy they wanted last year and they went up and they got what it took to get to take them take him um this year I could see them trading down because of the quarterback situation that I mentioned before also, the Bears traded away a third-round pick in the Mitchell Trubisky deal that I'm sure they'd love to kind of recoup in this year's draft. So um, Ryan Pace believes in building through the draft, but it's interesting that the last uh, couple years he's traded up both times. In 2016, he traded up two spots from 11 to 9 um, for Leonard Floyd, the outside linebacker, and it was a great move because the Giants supposedly, and even admitted this, were targeting him at number 10, so they leapfrogged the Giants to pick him. And he's actually been a pretty good pick so far. He was hurt late last year. But um, like I said, if I had a bet on it, I would say that they'd stay at eight. And I would say maybe they'd trade down but not trade up. But again, like I told you, the last two years they've traded up and nobody really saw it coming. So we'll just have to – and that's really what makes the draft so much fun. Right. That's, I was going to say that makes it so exciting. You never know what can happen. Larry, I'm kind of curious. Um, so you guys are young on both sides of the ball, and obviously you guys have a new head coach. What are some of the main things that you think the team needs to address in the offseason? Is there like a running list that you have? What's at the top of that list that you think the Bears need to need to address in the offseason? Well, like I said, I think they've really kind of accomplished that because free agency, they were more active pretty much than anybody else. I believe we've signed 10 players from other teams. So they've been very active in free agency. Like I said, they signed two, uh, three receivers, a tight end, Two and uh, two quarterbacks. So that tells you where their focus is. They're focusing on offense and they're surrounding Mitchell Trubisky with as many weapons as possible. And also they're bringing in a backup quarterback like Chase Daniel, who has played for Matt Nagy and knows the system. Um, and even Tyler Bray, the third string quarterback that they're bringing in, he knows the system too because he was in Kansas City with Matt Nagy. So it's real interesting to me what they're doing. And it's basically focused on helping Mitchell Trubisky accomplish what they think he can accomplish. And um, there's not a lot of assistance on the, on the new offensive staff that know the offense. So the assistants are learning as well as the players are. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Actually, starting uh, tomorrow, Tuesday through Thursday, is the first mini camp here. So we'll actually get to see the offense, uh, at least the skeleton version of it, for the first time on the field. I know this could be kind of, I wouldn't say premature because you know, you would know this by now, but do you think the confidence is in Mitchell Trubisky being the starter or is Chase Daniel? up for that running as oh no it's definitely mitchell trubisky he's the quarterback of the future and uh they're putting everything they can into helping him succeed like i said do you call him mitchell or mitch it's funny you ask that (laughs) because uh that was a great debate here in chicago and we finally settled on although mitch sounds more like a chicago guy right than mitchell right but but his mom calls him mitchell so i guess we all settled on whatever mom said was right so that's what we go we call him mitchell because it's funny you said that because when we type his name on the website it all, the link only works to go to his bio page if you write Mitchell. So I always have to be reminded, <laughs> got to put, put Mitchell in there. That's funny. 
Well, and he doesn't care. I've asked him for, you know, he, he couldn't care less what you call him. So. Of course, they never care. But like you said, yeah. what mom says goes, right? Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Larry. We definitely appreciate your time. And we will be looking out to see what the Chicago Bears do in the first round. Sounds good. And let me just say that I got the chance to talk to Sean Payton at the Combine, and he was very nice. And we talked about a couple things, but I kind of regret I didn't mention the fact that he did play quarterback for the Chicago Bears back in the day. So I needed to talk to him about that next time. Yeah, did you ask he... him about his dance moves? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to learn that dance. Hit the Payton. <laughs> yep. Thank you so much, Larry. Have a nice day. All right. You too. Thank you. Bye. And that was Larry Mayer for the Chicago Bears. Now we have Joe Finn with the 49ers to talk about the ninth pick. We're double dipping today, you guys. Hey, Joe, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Okay, so, Joe, we, <laughs> we're going to get right into everything. We're here to talk about 49ers football and your ninth pick in the draft. But before we get into the actual pick, let's talk about that free agency. Now, we know you guys have obviously signed a long deal, long deal contract, long-term contract <laughs> with Garoppolo. How has it been to have him a part of the team? Yeah, I mean, it's been great. The second you get a quarterback, it just changes the dynamic for everything. Um, and you've seen that, you know, with the vibe in the locker room, uh, you know, the, the excitement that everyone shares, you know, going into 2018, but also free agency. You know, you might not get a guy like Richard Sherman to sign you know, if he doesn't know who the quarterback is, you know, you don't you don't get Jarek McKinnon to choose the 49ers or Weston Richburg if he doesn't know who's not, who he's snapping the ball to. Um, you know, so the dominoes continue to fall. Uh, it was big deal that they got that deal done early and uh, and didn't you know have to franchise tag him or have this drag on a year or two. Um, you know, so kudos to both sides for you know wanting the same thing and getting a deal done early. And how much do you think? Well, obviously you just said that, but like as far as building towards your next season, how far along do you think you guys already are? Well, it's hard to tell, and I think there's still plenty of work to be done. You still have to find your identity and, uh, you know, and continue to make strides. I mean, there's still a long ways to go. It's still a relatively young roster, but uh, I think, you know, everything changes the second you have a quarterback. You know, people look at how long a rebuild's going to take. Is it going to take two years, three years, four years? You know, people were looking at, you know, the long haul here of, you know, what this process could look like. And, um, you know, the way I kind of look at an NFL, an NFL rebuild is, you know, you're rebuilding until you find that quarterback. And so whether that's, one year in the case of the 49ers, which very fortuitous, or three years, five years, I mean, it doesn't matter. Until you find that guy at the quarterback position, you're going to essentially be in a rebuild. Or, or, you know, if you're not rebuilding, then you're not really competing for championships. So, um, you know, 49ers definitely got lucky um, that, the, you know, the four-year, the Patriots got put between a rock and a hard place and, and had to, to look to move Garoppolo at the trade deadline. And the 49ers were the benefactors. And, and so far, you know, the, the trajectory of this team is, is on the up, but but again, as everyone will tell you, there's still a lot of work to be done. Joe, we're quickly approaching the draft. In a perfect world, if everything fell the way you guys wanted it to, what position would the 49ers pick as their first pick? Yeah, I think you're looking defensive, uh, but the 49ers are in a great spot at number nine, you know, with so many top quarterbacks going early in this draft. I mean, you expect for sure three, maybe four to go in the top eight. Um, you know, if it is four, that means the the 49ers are guaranteed a top five position player or non-quarterback prospect uh, to follow them at nine. You know, I don't think it's going to be Quentin Nelson or Saquon Barkley. I think they're, both those guys are going to be off the board, as is Bradley Chubb. Those guys seem, uh, you know, to be locks to go earlier. So I think, you know, from there, it's really a mixed bag, and it just depends where the, how the board shakes out. You know, you don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say the 49ers are, are specifically um, targeting one position, but I think you have a number of of elite guys there that are all defensive players, whether it's, you know, a Roquan Smith, a Denzel Ward, a Derwin James, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick. There's a lot of defensive back talent. And then you have that really prototypical middle linebacker in Roquan Smith. And so uh, I think at nine, you're, you're almost guaranteed, um, you know, to get one of those guys. And, you know, I don't know where John Lynch has his board right now, but I think they'd be happy with either of them. We often hear, like, teams are looking to address needs during free agency, for the simple fact that when the draft comes, they want to be able to draft the best available and not necessarily out of necessity. Are the 49ers in that position? Yeah, I think they did a good job uh, shoring up some holes. I mean, you know, they lose Carlos Hyde, uh, and then they'd sign Jarek McKinnon as their new starting running back. 
the offensive line, especially the interior, has needed help. And you signed Weston Richburg, who's your new starting center. And then Jonathan Cooper, who started at guard for the Cowboys last year, who's going to have a chance to start at one of the guard spots for the 49ers in 2018. So I think uh, the offensive line, you can still look for more help, but I don't think you're desperate, um, you know, especially – you know, if a guy like Quentin Nelson's off the board, you don't have to reach uh, for anybody. I mean, there's a chance, you know, if you trade back in the first round and a guy like Isaiah Wynn's still on the board, then you can pull the trigger, um, you know, or Will Hernandez. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of nice offensive linemen, especially on that interior in this year's draft class. Um, I think the one hole that they still are, are missing that elite guy, um, it would be at the pass rush position. And I think, um, you know, I just don't think that guy's going to be there at nine. Bradley Chubb is almost guaranteed to be off the board. And then at that point, you know, unless you're sold on Harold Landry at a Boston College, the real deal. And I'm no draft expert. I don't pretend to be. Um, but I'm very intrigued by uh, Harold Landry for this reason, is that some people have him as a guaranteed top ten pick, and some people have him as a back end of the first round guy. And so I'm curious why the opinions are so spread out on him, depending on who you talk to. Um, but if you're sold on him, and then, you know, maybe that's the pick at nine. But I think a Marcus Davenport, probably too early for him. Um, you know, I don't think there's – that, uh, you know, you know, there's not a lot of pass rush talent in this year's draft, especially in the top 10 once you get past Bradley Chubb. Well, after starting 0-9 last season and finishing 6-10, and which is better than any other team that has ever started 0-9, uh, do you feel confident that going forward you guys are acquiring the pieces that you need to have a better season? Yeah, I think I would say there's there's not a single fan that you could talk to that would expect 2018 to be another rebuilding season. I think the expectation is is that you know you're spending or you're playing 16 games of meaningful football and going down to the wire, whether it's a wild card spot or competing or competing for the NFC West title. Uh, I think the NFC is a loaded conference, but at the same time, when you have a quarterback, like I said, it changes everything. And Jimmy Garoppolo, while he's only played seven games. Uh, you've seen enough to know this guy's the real deal, and the 49ers have paid him as such. So, you know, I think anything short of competing for a playoff spot this year would be a disappointment, and that's a far cry from where they were a year ago. I think of for as challenging as last year was, John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan had, had the benefit of there weren't any expectations. Uh, you know, uh, there, no one was worried about the wins and losses. So, yes, everyone wants to win games, but even 0-9, I mean, you know, it wasn't like people were feeling like, like like it was rock bottom. People could tell that this was going in the right direction and the right people were in place running the ship. So, uh, but I think that's very different this year. I mean, and Jimmy Garoppolo is the catalyst of that. Well, well Joe, thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing uh, the progress the 49ers continue to make. Thank you both. I really appreciate you having me. No problem. When we come back, we will cover Saints on social and we'll talk about the Saints in their OTAs. Now, Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more, and always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. Now turning our attention to Saints. Caroline, the Saints are back in the house. Boys are back in town. OTAs have officially started, and we've seen quite a few of them roaming around the building and getting in the weight room. Good. They need it. We need strong uh, athletic bodies out on the field next year. <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure they've been working out still on their offseason. I don't know. You know, you never know. Some people slack. You know that sometimes athletes can slack, but our Saints are better than that. So. Well, more than anything, I think it's just exciting to see that they're excited about being back. So it just shows, like, they're ready to get back into, you know, the swing of things. And this is the start of it right before the draft comes. So exciting let's move on to saints on social that's how we always know stuff that's going on with our saints players because they stay on social 
I'm sorry since, you know, we're still on this Pelicans high. My focus is on Pelicans and who was talking about the Pelicans. Everyone. Exactly. On Twitter, Mark Ingram 22 talking about the Pelicans on Twitter. He was going in about Drew and just everybody along with him as well, Mike Thomas. They both were very impressed by Drew's. Uh, performance last night as they should be I mean these guys are excited you guys they're playing and practicing at a facility that's not even 50 feet apart from each other a you know lot. They so sh- they yeah. share a parking lot so these guys should be excited for each other and just as the Pelicans get hyped up for the Saints the Saints are getting hyped up for the Pelicans so it's awesome to see and I hope to see him at the game on Thursday I think we will because I also peeped around and saw Marshawn Lattimore's Instagram story mm-hmm. and he was showing the end of the game and then said like yeah bring come on back to New Orleans so I can watch you guys on Thursday so I'm sure we'll see him in the house it's not like rare that we don't see them come to the games because last home game we had Demario Davis our new um, you know linebacker on the team and then Alex Anzalone they also came and supported so it's always good to see them supporting each other did you see uh Teron Armstead we this the New Orleans Saints posted a photo of the guys uh I think they were like running a gasser or something from sideline to sideline and you could barely see at the (laughs) end of the line so create this image in your head there's just uh, a flourish of guys running from one sideline to the other and you see it's kind of like um like a line just a line of guys and at the at the, yeah staggered yeah. there you go at the very end of the line you barely see Teron Armstead's head it's like a blur in the far distance and he quotes it he quoted the picture and he said yeah they're gonna say I'm cheated but that's me in the in the in the lead and you know you know let him have his let him have his uh fun offensive linemen are faster than our running backs are you kidding you know, if whatever you want to think, whatever makes him happy. Also, you think he cheated? I think he cheated. He probably like got a few. He's like, I'm a veteran. A you know what? I don't care about this for whistle. Sure. For sure. Got a little bit of head start. Also on social, did you see Drew Brees at the American Country Music Awards? Him and Brittany Brees were there. Yeah, he he presented Miranda Lambert with the Song of the Year award for her song called Tin Man. So that was pretty cool to see. They looked They looked dapper. I thought it was funny how he brought out that they they allow red cups in the audience. Uh-huh. Brittany had a red cup in her hand. It's a country at, party. You got at, to. Look at them having fun. Well, since we're talking about the Saints, let's not forget that, you guys, the trivia contest is still going on. Remember, every day, answer a question on the app, and then you have a chance to win two tickets to every home game next season. Well, this season coming up. You guys don't want to miss that. Free tickets? Come on now. Come you on. Know, you, you know what else you don't want to miss? The Pelicans playoff games here on Thursday and Saturday. Yes, it can quite honestly be a sweep. So why would you want to miss that? Like, I don't understand why anybody would want to. I'm sad I have to miss Saturday's game. So you guys have the opportunity to go there. Why Why would you want to miss it? They're in right here in the Smoothie King Center. There are still seats left. Make sure you go on pelicans.com to purchase your tickets for Thursday night and Saturday night. You will. This is an amazing series, so you guys do not want to miss it. Be sure you're there to cheer on your Pelicans. Yes, if you don't like to use the internet, call 525-HOOP. Don't forget, you guys. 504-525-HOOP. But also, don't forget, too, that, you know, all the fans coming to the game will have shirts on their seats on Thursday and Saturday. So we'll have something for you guys to support your Pels with. And also, Thursday's game, Manny Fresh halftime performance. You guys don't want to miss this. I cannot kid you not. It's going to be a great game. I'm already I'm already calling it already. But uh, that's it for today. Thank you guys for tuning in for to the Black and Blue Report with Caroline and me, myself, Cindy. Hope you guys uh, tune in next time. Thank you.